welcome to the North County Beat. I'm your host, Kelly Kyle. Today is Friday, October 16th. Earlier this week, the Coast News hosted a clean campaign forum with Encinitas candidates for city council and mayor. Today, we'll look at how that went and what we can do to continue to have productive dialogue as a community. A few things, though, before we dive in. If you'd like to support the Coast News podcast efforts and this high-quality local journalism we provide, consider becoming a monthly donor. To donate, head to the podcast directory on thecoastnews.com and click support this show under your favorite podcast to pledge what you can. We appreciate your support. So back to this clean campaign initiative that you've been hearing so much about. Quick recap. The Coast News issued a clean campaign pledge for all candidates in the region. Right now, we've got more than a dozen on board. Signing the pledge was a symbol of their commitment to a campaign without toxicity. So much of this culminated in a forum held on Tuesday, October 13th with candidates running for office in Encinitas. This city is where we had seen a lot of ugliness and toxicity. And since it is the Coast News HQ, we decided to dive in and focus on those races in particular. All right, I think we're ready to start. Thank you for coming tonight, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Coast News Clean Campaign Forum. So thank The Coast News will be releasing a written follow-up piece on this event. Coast News Encinitas reporter Caitlin Steinberg will take the lead on that. But today's podcast is to draw out some of the larger themes and takeaways from the Clean Campaign Initiative and that Tuesday night forum. That's why before we begin to talk about this event specifically, I want to make sure that everybody is clear on a few important elements of the Clean Campaign pledge. So leading up to the virtual event, I had a conversation with Professor Casey Dominguez once again. She's a politics professor at the University of San Diego who specializes in campaigns and elections. She reminded us that campaign ethics is a tricky subject and what counts as a clean campaign violation can be interpreted in multiple different ways. They have an ethical obligation to be truthful. You know, there's, there's a million, you know, shades of gray in the truth. Negative campaigning, as we learned in a previous episode, does not necessarily equate to a clean campaign violation. I'm skeptical of the idea that negative campaigning is always bad. You know, you want to criticize the incumbent and tell the public what they've been doing wrong, and that is what campaigns are supposed to be doing. But misleading is something else, right? Informing the public is is the the job of a a candidate. Um, Misleading the public is an unethical way to gain power for corrupt ends. Basically, the big red flags indicating a toxic campaign are spreading misinformation and making misleading personal attacks. So making a claim that can't be backed up by fact. Name-calling is probably the lowest hanging fruit when we're talking about irresponsible campaigning. It's the easiest to identify, and Dominguez says it just isn't a good look. Name-calling degrades the public discourse and causes the public to, can might cause the public to lose respect for politicians and the jobs that they hold. Now, there are very few, if any, politicians who can claim that they've never played into some of these tactics. Even those with the best of intentions may be spreading misinformation or calling other candidates disparaging names online or in campaign materials. That's why it really is difficult to crack down on something like this. But what we can do, according to Dominguez, is hold these politicians accountable to a higher standard. She gave a great example of how candidates and people in general, really, can address problems like misinformation responsibly. I put a lot of work into making sure that every single thing I tell my students is true to the best of my knowledge. And then if I get something wrong, I go and I 
you know, find out why I got it wrong and I admit I got it wrong, right? That is uh, truthful adult behavior. And if we want, if we want to hold candidates to that standard, then the standard is you have an obligation to tell the truth as best you know it. And if you become informed of the truth, then you have to update what you've been saying. So with all of this in mind, we're going to recap Tuesday night's forum and talk about some of the dynamics that we saw at play. First, we're going to take a short break. Stick with us. Welcome back. We're talking about the Clean Campaign Forum held this Tuesday. Nearly 65 people joined us on the webinar via Zoom. There were three major topics covered in about an hour and a half with the six candidates, and then we moved to Q&A. Here's co-moderator Caitlin Steinberg kicking off the discussion. Briefly introduce yourself and share your own experience with the Clean Campaign Pledge this uh, political season. So we will, start, uh, we will start. At the virtual table, we had Encinitas Mayor Catherine Blakespear and her challenger, Julie Thunder. Then you had District 1 City Council candidates Tony Kranz, the incumbent, and Alex Riley, his opponent. For District 2 Council seat, it was incumbent Kelly Hinsey and challenger Susan Turney. For the most part, everyone had a similar commitment towards reducing toxicity surrounding local Encinitas politics. They expressed an interest in hearing out the public and working with those who disagree with them. There were some standout moments where candidates were able to work out some disagreements and address misinformation right on the spot. For example, when District 1 Councilman Tony Cran said that challenger Alex Riley had only recently begun attending city council meetings, Riley spoke out about it. Uh, this is the second time that he said I've never been to a city council meeting before the homeless parking lot issue came along. Um, I sat right behind Ms. Blakespear at several meetings. And Kranz then admitted the mistake and clarified his own statement. If that was the only time you spoke, that's the only time I remember you being there. Um, and I appreciate you correcting the record. I apologize for um, misstating the facts. And in District 2, incumbent Kelly Hinsey acknowledged and appreciated her opponent Susan Turney's campaign strategy. Something I've been very grateful to my opponent for is that I really don't think that the attacks on me have been personal. They've been very policy oriented. And for that, I'm grateful. Later in the forum, both Hinsey and Turney talked about their commitments to stopping the spread of misinformation about the other. Here's how Turney responds to those looking for the scoop on her opponent. If someone comes to me to ask me a question about her, I send them to her, so I don't want to speculate. Mayor Catherine Blakespear and challenger Julie Thunder were also empathetic toward each other at times. They acknowledged an incident when the mayor had a group of residents who were unaffiliated with Thunder's campaign but opposed to Blakespear march up to the mayor's home and demand that she come out to which Thunder responded. And I'm sorry that happened. If I had been involved, I would have stopped it. Thunder mentioned reaching out to the mayor following the incident, which Blake Spear said she appreciated. You know, sending a text to me when people marched on my house privately, I, I did appreciate that. It touched me. It felt, you know, like you were reaching out as a mom and as a neighbor. And Blake Spear also apologized for a degrading email Thunder received from an individual who is not officially affiliated with Blake Spear, although he has previously attended public events in support of her campaign. I am sorry that, that Julie did receive that email, and I'm sorry that he wrote it. While these moments stood out, not every interaction was all sunshine and rainbows. It did get messy in some spots. As I mentioned, Coast News reporter Caitlin Steinberg will be fact-checking a few of these claims in an article out soon. But there were times when candidates called each other out on certain actions that they believed to be in violation of the pledge. And there were also some heated discussions about ethical campaign finance, how to deal with supporters who cross a line, and allegations of misinformation tied to campaigns. 
So if at any point in the night, viewers or candidates felt uncomfortable or frustrated by what was being said, there's a reason for that. These conversations are not supposed to be easy. These are not neutral, uh, cool kinds of topics. These are hot topics. These are things that we really have a lot of feelings about. We care about how things will come out. That's Bernardo Ferdman, a diversity and inclusion expert and professor of organizational psychology, who we have had on this show before. Through his firm, Ferdman Consulting, he has worked with businesses, government agencies, and other organizations to have tough conversations about diversity and inclusion. He said the effectiveness of these discussions often depends on the framework in which they are set. If the, if the context is one where people are able to make mistakes and to own up to them, and then they're not attacked for that, but rather that's seen as, a, as an honorable thing, then maybe it's more likely that people would um, be more willing to own up to their own potential shortcomings instead of just uh, playing gotcha with other people. Ferdman then tied this all back to the Clean Campaign Pledge and offered ways that candidates can engage with it productively, which is something that we at The Coast News have also been giving a lot of thought to. If the Clean Campaign becomes just another way for people to attack each other, I'm not sure that's really going to help. I mean, it's a way for people to uh, say, this is the, these are the principles that I'm going to live by, whatever you do, and this is why. And because it's really about me and the kind of person I want to be and the kind of community I want to live in, then I think it's more likely to take hold, especially if that's supported by the voters or the community or the constituents. Now, of course, politicians aren't the only ones who have an interest in adopting this values-based approach when they share their points of view. In fact, when it comes to the toxicity in our local elections, the candidates are not the primary instigators. As we revealed in our episode last month, A majority of the harassment and name-calling that goes down online is coming from constituents. Basically, we could all handle ourselves a little bit better when it comes to dealing with disagreement, whether that's over an affordable housing policy or a city council candidate or even something your friend said that didn't sit right with you. Ferdman has a few suggestions for this. Looking at the other person as a full human being, uh, believing that they have something to contribute, and that I could learn from that person and treating them that way, listening to what they're saying, giving space for a full um, presentation of those views, reflecting them back, saying, here's what I think I heard you say. Let me see if I understand what you're saying. In other words, he says, listen and tell your story so that together you might come up with a third perspective. What would a third person be hearing? But you may not, but at least you both listened and you've told your perspectives. With a very contentious election just over two weeks away, it's important to challenge ourselves and those in our circles to practice respectful disagreement and to hold our candidates accountable for the same behavior. As we close out this episode, I want to leave you with something that Councilman Tony Kranz mentioned in his closing remarks at Tuesday's forum. It's something that I think everyone at that Zoom table and in the region as a whole could relate to today. I look forward to November 4th when we can start healing the community and move forward. And that's a wrap on this episode of the North County Beat. For more information on the Coast News Clean Campaign Pledge and Initiative, check out thecoastnews.com. You can also view the full Clean Campaign Forum on the Coast News YouTube, Facebook, or our website. A few thank yous on the way out today. 
Big shout out to Caitlin Steinberg and Sunitas Reporter for helping run these clean campaign efforts. Our podcast manager is Ryan Woltz. Coast News Editor-in-Chief is Jordan Ingram. Our associate publisher is Chris Kidd. And our publisher is Jim Kidd. I'm your host, Kelly Kyle. You've been listening to the North County Beat. Our next episode is Friday, October 30th. Keep it positive and keep it clean out there. We'll talk to you next time.